This episode of Pot of the Jam is rated S for spoilers. You've been warned. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. So you want me to tell you the story of my life? I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you all of it. I'm gonna separate your head from your shoulders. I haven't been human for 200 years. The time's wrong! Woo! The warrior! I'm your brother, Sammy! Help me! Life has no meaning anymore, does it? Caleb Colton no longer belongs to our world. We give him a week, see if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a damn blood-sucking vampire. Well, you wait till mom finds out, brother. What if I could give it back to you? Pluck out the pain and give you another life. One you could never imagine. I don't want to kill. He makes you kill tonight. Vampire never knew what life was until it ran out in a red gush over your lips. Don't think of it as killing. Amen. Amen. Don't think at all. There's something that you do night after night. You made us what we are, didn't you? Check out time. God kills indiscriminately, and so shall we. Day for daylight. But do not doubt. You are a killer. I want some more. Welcome back to Podcast of the Damned. Uh, today, this episode sucks because we're talking vampires. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> are. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Recording. Oh, yeah, our names. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jean. I'm Em. <laughs> and we are recording from our various homes on the first day of Lockdown 6 in the past in Melbourne. Hopefully by the six. time this episode uh, comes uh, out. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, is there a really great pun for number six? Because for number five, we had, like, well, mumbo, like, number, mumbo five, number five, lockdown number five. six, I think everyone's just like, I hate you. Fuck this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm done with this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we're recording via our various homes, which mm-hmm. uh, is... Well, we've just gotten into that rhythm now, so apologies if there's any audio quality that's not as brilliant as usual. But... um. Oh, my God. Like, what a great episode to do. This is one yeah. I've been waiting for a long time to be able to sink yeah. our teeth into Yeah. Oh, so many puns. And, I ha- and this this is also the first episode in uh, a, a, a series of three, a trilogy, if you will, of podcast episodes about different kinds of monsters in horror films. So <laughs> yes. very excited to get cracking with this, um, with this special series of podcast episodes because I there are so love- many... I love that we've left it till later in the daily podcast run to kind of touch on these. Yeah. Like we have waited till we've hit that halfway point, which I think yep. is more masterful strokes of, of Emma being amazing at organising, let's be <laughs> honest. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually, it's fed my brain in a completely different way that hits, mm. I mean, because with the films that we're talking about today, all bar one are right up there for me. Oh, yes, as in of ones that I'd seen before and loved. Oh, no. right, so, right, right, so it right. Fed, it fed Ooh, me okay. in such a good way. I was going to um, say, yeah, all of the films for this um, this episode, I didn't love them all equally, but I really enjoyed every single film for this I'm episode. I'm really curious which one we didn't like. And apart, uh, yeah, I, I liked 
liked like, them all. I, mean, so I didn't like, like one. We don't like them all. Like, 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 if one is going to be our least liked, I reckon now mm-hmm. let's just try. We say one, two, three, and all say which one it is. Wait, I know which one Shory likes the least because I saw his rating on Letterbox <laughs> or whatever it is, and I was like, oh, how dare yeah. you? Yeah. Yep. So I know which one he likes the least. Uh, well, no, my no, wait. one, yeah, no, we should save it for the talking. I'm yeah, because just... yeah, I don't know which one I liked the least, so I couldn't even do the 3 2 one game because <laughs> oh, I, I kind of, of like them all. Well, I mean, I guess, okay, mm. we could go around and around in circles, but that's what the we podcast could, is all about yes. at the end of the day. Yeah. So um, which one Where do we, do we start? want to pick up with? I know, and this is... Uh, all right, I'm going to throw it out there. I want to start with the, my choice, which was Interview with the Vampire. Okay, let's do it. Okay. And this film, for me... Um, so we're going to work I'm, our way up. Get it. Well, okay. I knew that was going to be your... And and you can get stuffed, sorry, because it's amazing. <laughs> How absolute dare. Exactly. God. Um, this, it was my pick because I absolutely love it. I watched this mm. as a kid. I mean, what year did this come out? This was 1994. Yeah. Yep. 1994. Do you remember so the IMDb? Age was I? Oh, yeah, means, do it, do it. I do, I do, but I'm just trying to think. What age was I? 1994... I'm 43 now. What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like 2020 I, part two. 20, yes. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I was 12. Otherwise, so minus 20 out. years. Minus, so this is me like 16, 17 or 18, something like that. I was 11. Okay, and I, well, the reason why I did this terrible math thing live was because <laughs> I loved this film so much that mm. I went back and saw it 12 times at the cinema. And that was not a cheap thing for a kid kid with an allowance and no job, seeing Mm. this film 12 times at the cinema. But I think it came out at the same year as Clueless. And Ah. the two quotes, the two quotes that I said with with gusto constantly Mm -hmm. was from Clueless, Get Out of My Facial, and from Mm -hmm. um, Interview with a Vampire, How Avant-Garde. They were the two things I said for like a year <laughs> to people. And, you know what? And- I laughed out loud when I when actually I saw that scene where it said how avant-garde. I was like, yeah. yes, this is brilliant. But brilliant. Yeah, I saw it 12 times and actually in re-watching it in a week for this podcast, I've rewatched it three times. Now to mm. Shory and IMBD. Well, I am IMDB, either way. Well, what did I say? <laughs> I don't know. You, you made up an acronym. Some database of internet movies. Yeah. Um, a vampire tells his epic lo- epic life story: love, betrayal, loneliness, and hunger. Yay. Yeah, that's the other one's about it. three pages long, and I don't want to read that one because yeah. that's ridiculous. Well, no, no, I mean, fair. before Em and I talk, start talking about how much we loved it. Sorry, over to you. <laughs> so we can tell you you're wrong. Um, yes. Look, I'm gonna. It's not. I'll, I'll start by saying I don't like Tom Cruise, which is fine. So mm-hmm. I think he's the worst part of. We'll this allow movie. it. He's meant in my mind. Tom Cruise being the worst part is absolutely fine because yep. he's the villain. I actually think Tom Cruise but is fantastic in this movie. He is fantastic in it, I but mean, it doesn't mean he's not. He doesn't mean he's likable. He's still Tom Cruise. Yes, but like yeah. he's fantastic. I think for me, it's watching it with the two other films we're going to talk about. Mm. I got a little bored. Can I ask, what order did you watch it? Because I watched this one first. I watched it in the middle. Okay. Yeah. And from from a tempo perspective, the reason why I watched mm, it first it's is slow. I, it's it, so it's slow. a very slow film. Mm. But but yeah. it feels the onion away really well for me. Mm. Like, mm. even in my I three think- times watching, there are points that I forget constantly. 
constantly and go, yep. oh, that's right. Like there are multiple times where I'm like, wow, because it's the end of this big narrative and then it flips and then there's a whole other direction that I, I just forget because I'm engrossed by it. Mm. I think for me too is that the, the two main characters, you know, Louis and Lestat, I think I'm probably looking at it more of, you know, we know who Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise are now. We've seen them in other roles and stuff and I found them just to be a bit, like I think two better actors in that role, this movie would have been just phenomenal. And I, they just sort of lost me. I was just a bit, come on, let's get on with it. Come on. Let's, but at you know. the time, like Tom Cruise playing this kind of a villain was a, mm. a huge oh, yeah. shift for him. And for Brad Pitt as well to play such a serious role where he yeah. doesn't take off his clothes yeah. was also <laughs> massive. Like, But mm. seriously, like at the time, part of the reason why this was like mind-blowing was because one overplayed it and one underplayed it and it worked because people mm. didn't expect that. And, I mean, for me, yes, there's going to be the the queer subtext involved mm. throughout it, but there's something that I loved and I, I and I've, every time I've tried to read the book, I haven't been able to. I'd start it and then I'd stop it and then I'd start it and then I'd stop it. But there's something that I love about the movie where it shows the depth of the lifespan of a vampire and the realities <laughs> of what that means and 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 even the the costuming and the realities of different times and frameworks and mm. and yeah. and also the beauty of it is that Louis is a constant victim he is a hundred percent that character in a soap opera that's always shat on like <laughs> everyone's everyone's using him and he's a constant victim of even at the end when he's talking about he's like haven't you been listening and it's just like Yes, but that's all on you, babe. Like, mm. no one, everyone else is not having <laughs> your experience. Well, I actually adored the scene at the end in the car when Lestat is is driving away with um, Christian Slater, who's just gorgeous. Um, Love Christian Slater. He, oh, Love him. Um, and he he's playing the tape. Um, the tape's playing of Louis talking through all his woes and, like, he turns around and he's like, oh, God, is he still complaining? He's like, have you, have you not turned this off yet? And he turns it off and I'm like, oh, I love it. Yeah. It's amazing. And that's and really like, shut up, of, um, That scene's not in the book, but that ah. is, yeah, so that is absolutely brilliant. And that was a whole yeah. big thing at the time where everyone's like, oh, my God, the scene that's not in the book is that scene at the end. Mm. But it's true. Like, he's just so, like, there's no winning with this dude. But the reality was yeah. the only reason he was turned was because Lestat wanted his privilege. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like it wasn't, he didn't see a companion in him. He see, saw an opportunity to use him. Mm. And and the, and then it just kept devolving from there. Yeah. I think what I would have liked too a bit more is the, because the first, I reckon, at least an hour of the movie is set almost in the same time period or the same sort of about 20 years. And I think I would have liked to have moved that along a bit faster and I would have mm -hmm. liked a bit more of them adjusting to, oh, shit, well, we've been here for 10 years and neither of us have aged. We need to get the fuck out of here so we can go somewhere else and adjust to a new climate, have to look a little bit different so that people don't start to think, oh, shit, what's wrong with them? They've been there for 30 years and no one's aged. Just, you know, the little girl is still six years old or whatever, however old she's supposed to be. I would and have I mean, liked how... just to move on a bit. But another mm. part, well, I mean, I get that. I feel like those that expected narrative tropes though like when we're mm. using mm. the narratives that we see every single time and the idea of but why wouldn't people be like they haven't aged or thing like that it's not like they're on facebook do you know what i mean like yeah, uh, yeah. yeah reality, people still notice 
but that's one of the things that I kind of love about it when everyone's like, oh, there's the plague, there's death, and it's all these these things within history, and it really was just them. You know, yeah. even the narrative yeah. of, oh, and then people started to get sick when we know they're killing them on the boat. Like, that's yeah. what's hmm. going on. And but I, one of the things yeah. I loved in communicating with Em was Em at the start when we were watching it messaging was like, oh, my God, there's an actual interview with a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> because I had never seen it before and I just happened ah. to watch it the same night as Dean. We were just texting and we were both watching Grey's. Well, you had a pretty good show to watch it the same night as Dean because you watched it, what, seven times again this time? Well, this is true. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to watch Interview after this. And he was like, oh, yeah, me too. Let's watch it together. So, um, yeah, I'd never seen it. So I I don't know. I thought Interview with the Vampire was like a metaphor for something. Like I knew it was about (laughs) a vampire, but I just thought the interview thing was a metaphor. And then I was like, oh, no, it's an actual interview with a vampire. Okay, get it. Very literal title. Um, but I, you know, like I do understand what you're saying about it being slow. Um, but I think that sometimes this this is what happens um, when a movie tries to faithfully um, a- adapt a book mm-hmm. or a novel, yep. because often they do span long periods of time. And I think, especially given the genre, um, I, I think the point was to convey, as Dean was saying, that longevity and the experience of mm-hmm. being a vampire and how you are just time keeps moving but you don't you're just sort of still and it just kind of the the decades just wash past you and you really got a sense of that happening um and it look i do see and while everyone else embraced it louis just Mm. didn't like that's the Mm -hmm. thing yeah there are only so many times i could hear how he eats rats though like that got a bit you know, every sort of 20 minutes or so they reiterated that he ate rats and I was like, mm. we get it, man. Come on, we've been watching. Yeah. Really uh, uh, frustrated me. Analogy. I was just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, God, just, like, just eat a person. He's God. not the hero of the story. This is the this is one of the reasons why I love this. Like, Louis is not the hero of the story. You're no. rooting for every other character who are mm. actually the villains in the story if you're looking mm. at it from that, those two tropes. But you're actively rooting for them because you're like, come on, you're a yeah. vampire. Like, what yeah. the hell? And 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 this when he even when he eats the dogs instead of the woman, and it it's a really mm. interesting interesting point that gets brought up. And I realize in all three of these films, at no point do they say you need to drink blood. They all say you need to kill. So it's yeah. not about it's not about feeding your yeah. hunger. It's about ending a life. And it's just that really interesting thing of if someone turns immediately, the first thing you don't say to them is the only way you can survive is to kill people. So mm. I, one of the things I like about this film is that killing them is actually about that feeding of hunger for you yeah. and, mm. and that need. And, I mean, it's, well, it's feeding it's also, that instinct. Yeah, and it's also like the realities of, you know, it, I just love the relationship and brotherhood and, and connection over time. And Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst, this was her first big film role. And um, I think it was the first role she ever played. She won a... Yeah. Academy Award for it. She I was think, or nominated, brilliant. maybe. I don't know no, if she I, was. I, th- I thought she won. I thought she I won. I don't think she's won or I'll a different award. Or, or, or she was mm. like it was huge. And and when you look at what she played and how she played it, like it's huge. You know, mm. being a young child and then being a mature woman trapped in the body of a young child. And yeah. wasn't even nominated. Oh wow! She was Golden Globe. She was nominated Golden for Globe, not Golden Globe. Sorry. Okay, mm. Golden Globe. Golden Globe. Um, and and was just so brilliant. And that whole yeah. thing of the fear of the sunlight and and mm. um, when they go to where do they go to? From New Orleans to probably Europe. I don't know, but um, it was a new world, not Australia. 
But yeah. and, and then when you know it's a whole new you world, in he's trying to keep her in check. I, it, it, there's so much to it, like the reality mm. of when they're tre- they're scolding her and treating her like a child. Yeah. Because, but the reality is that she's been bit so old for so long that there's yeah. so many dolls and a dead body in, yes. underneath all the dolls, and and they because they're treating her like a child because she looks like a child, but mm. her mind is nothing like. Well, that. and just it's, the ignorance that they could could think that they could turn a child and then just sort of have this eternal child to take care of. Like they surely they would understand that she's going to mentally age because she's, she's, but when she's it's, it's that whole narrative of the only reason why Lestat turned Louis was mm. to uh, get his stature and status. Like mm. he wanted, and that's why he would always be annoyed whenever he would threaten, you know, this is our home. Why would you do this? Because he just wanted the things. Mm. Then yeah. he's stuck with this guy that's being this way. So to mm. appease the bullshit that he has to deal with, let's mm. give him a child. Mm. Then he's having a lot of fun with the child. And and it's, I love, like, t- Tom Cruise is fantastic in the way he plays this, where in scolding her and everything. And she's just mm. like, but isn't that what we're meant to be doing? And it's not because she's a child. It's because why the hell not? And mm. it's really interesting that he he's he's a character that constantly needs to control things, mm. but he turns to people that he has no control over, yeah. for either of them in any way, shape, mm. or form. And neither of them are doing. And I, it makes me wonder about the relationship he had with his sire, because mm. he assumed, in my opinion, with all of this turning, that things would be completely different to what they were, mm. and then they weren't. And it came back on him in this massive way, where they well, she killed him. Mm. Or so they thought. Mm. And and it's just great then when it turns again and now their life was better, we're in a new world, and they suddenly find this this army of vampires who are mm. like play and what an, and that's the thing, it's like, and we're actors, so we travel around, we do these things. And how amazing was that scene where there's the audience watching and they kill a woman yeah. in front of the audience and the audience think they're watching a show. And it's a very smart and, and I guess that's the thing I love about it is is the way in which it portrays these elements of these things. It's really smart for the mm. times and yeah. for the realities of how it could have happened. Yeah. I wanted um, more of that, um, the Antonio Banderas troupe. I wanted more of them. I found that that fascinated me that they would, like, did they stay there? Did they travel? I wanted to know more about them. And it was mm-hmm. sort of because we'd spent so much time, like the first hour or so in New Orleans in America. Kind of, but that second, like, I felt like that was really rushed over and I would have rather had, you know, 30 minutes in New Orleans and a bit more in France mm. or wherever they were with that Trem Vampire I mean, I You're not wrong, and- a little bit more time, because time had grown so much. I, the thing mm. of it, because, yeah, they were in New Orleans, but you're also forgetting that the larger chunk of time they had was in New Orleans. Like, mm. like it's that whole thing of was it a doll every year? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. She's got, like, there was about... 170 to 100 dolls, like, yeah, yeah, and it's that thing of like, okay, and they were still in New Orleans where we set our scene. Mm. And so, also, you've got to remember the story is about Louis and, and Lestat, so that that troop of vampires that they find are only ever really there to um, serve the stories of the main characters, which is why I think we don't see heaps or see mm. more of them because it's it's there to serve a purpose to, to understand more about the story of these other vampires. But I do agree that they were they were 
fascinating. Like, mm. Oh, I, totally. And I mean, the always thing I always find interesting when I watch it is when you are a troop, when you're a group of vampires and they go, these are our fixed rules, you never harm another vampire. And I'm like, cool, but that doesn't mean everyone else abides by your rules. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's the interesting thing of it where they, they didn't have a conversation about it. They made a decision. They go, well, they killed another vampire. We yep. need to get rid of them. Like kill it, like it, it's well. They don't. Yeah. They don't kill them themselves, but they orchestrate a scenario where they are killed. It's but the Punisher. It's, it's, it's you know it's, you, you're trying to get rid of killers, so you kill killers. But but yeah. it's that interesting double edged sword where in doing that because they think that's ju- justice mm. and the way and that's their rules and they assume everyone has to live by their rules that it's their mm. own undoing. It's also that amazing. Like I love when. Obviously, Antonio Banderas and Louis, they're going to, you know, move on and he's found a kinship that he never had with Lestat. Mm. And and Kirsten Dunst's, what was her character's name? Oh. Um, hang on, I got it. Yeah, um, uh, Where are we? It was Claudia. Uh-huh. Claudia. Yeah. And I love, I love, what I've always loved about the scene where she's like, you've found someone, now let me have this. And it's mm. a woman who's lost her child, yearning mm. for a mother. So she's found a way within this relationship of what she's always going to be to be able to give herself something. Yeah. And and it's that final point where he does something he promised he would never do and kind of hates her for it. Mm. And then it's totally their undoing. Like what possible mm. reason was there to kill the woman but the truth mm. decide? That's what's going to happen. Well, like it's it's yeah. where he finally every mo every time he succumbs to his inner nature. This is the mm. interesting thing about Louis. Every time he succumbs to the true nature of what he now is, it mm. goes wrong. He finally, um, you know, bites a young girl, and because he feels tormented by it, Lestat turns him. He finally mm. turns another vampire, and because. Claudia had killed, like, then literally 24 hours later, they're both yeah. killed. It, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Every Like, no wonder he's such a mess of mm. a human being. But what I love as well is he's not the hero of the story. Like, mm. it's just, and that and amazing with the sunlight and them scared of it and then they turn to ash and the beauty of that scene. And the mm. I loved watching him just burn down the entire place. It was fantastic and beautiful. And I always laugh every single time when he sees the sunrise for, and finally we come to the 80s and he sees the, the Superman film and Superman fly around the sun and every time I'm like, and he's like, and then I saw sunlight in colour and it's like, oh, at that point every, I do what Lestat does at the end of the film. My eyes roll. <laughs> but I always forget that Lestat's not dead. So every time he finds Lestat again in New Orleans when he's, you know, and, and I imagine Lestat being hiding away after all these years and not being able to move and being scared of the light of a helicopter that's shining in the window for some reason. Like there's something <laughs> about that. There's something about that that I love because it's just like, oh my God, like what a change your life has taken from that moment when they killed, well, they thought they killed you. And he's just, just a mess. But I always forget every time I watch the film that that scene's there. So I'm always surprised that he's still alive. I do really like the um the way they did the passage of time towards the end by showing movies, like doing something that everyone can relate to. Yeah. So we see that he, you know, he goes to the movies and that pushes the time forward because he's going from black and white film to colour to special effects and everything. And you're right, the pacing could have absolutely the pacing could have absolutely used it. M, do you want us to stop and restart the Zoom if your internet's playing? I think I think we're back. Can yeah, you, okay? look, you look fine now. Okay. Yeah. I just thought you were being really pensive. <laughs> no, no, I was just everything kind of went weird and yeah. frozen. No, you're all right like, now. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. 
But uh, Shory's not wrong. Like the pacing is slow, but it's a okay, very. I, I definitely missed a lot if when I came back, the first thing you say is Shory's not wrong. I mean, I don't no, know. No, no, no. Like, I mean, because we were talking about the end. We were talking Put about it on a t shirt. Like, I was having my Lestat going on and on, exciting, exciting, exciting. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. loved it at that point. And I always forget that Lestat actually um, is back in the story. Like, I always forget it. But yeah. it's this thing as well where, you know, like, and then the pacing of the movies and the showing of the passing of time, passing of time that way and what that means. It, it, it races everything up. And, yeah, yeah. but it's a, it's a different type of vampire story. It's a different it type of horror. And and I, I just love the dark. And, I mean, imagine as a young queer kid watching mm. this and oh. seeing, like, I mean, if any horror genre is subtext with queerness, it's vampires. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, and no, I, I adored it. And I agree with what you're saying, Dean. It's just a different kind of vampire movie. Like, yeah. mm. I don't think the... I think the pacing is spot on for this kind of movie. I think this is what it needs to be and it works for this film. And completely understandable if it's not for everyone. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I found it so um, just so camp and, um, you know, like dramatic and I just adored that. And as much as, look, I actually don't mind Tom Cruise as an actor. I don't like him as a person, but um, I thought that he was perfect in this um, I also thought Kirsten Dunst it, was just amazing. unbelievable. Like, Kirsten Dunst was good. I'm not a huge fan does, of her, but she was good. It she does make you realise you should watch Bring It On. It does make I you I love realize. Bring It On. Don't, don't, don't you dare question my Bring It On life. Except there's no comfortable way. <laughs> this is a cheerocracy. There's no no way that she can clean her teeth in a in a film without it looking uncomfortable. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it's that's the thing where the, this film showed me where I'm like, I agree with you on the whole. No, Tom Cruise as the person that we see, I don't like. But mm. uh, the reality of it, though, is this made you realise, and I'm not trying to use the sink your teeth into analogy again, but give certain actors a role like this that they can sink mm. their teeth into mm. and they rise. It's, mm. It was like he took inspiration from John Travolta and Nick Cage in Face Off and used it for this film. Like that's, it's, it's very yes. inspiring with these two really strong people that are able to, deliver this energy and tone mm. that just nails it. Well, it's and like that, that manic Tom Cruise energy is perfect for this role. It's like yeah. you almost watch it and it almost seems a little bit like it's just Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise. Totally. It's just perfect <laughs> for this role. It's, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I, I mean, one of my favourite bits is in the car at the end and he's puffing out his sleeves and you're just like, he's still wearing that shirt and jacket. Like this is the this crazy-ass character mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of it. Like it, the passing of time may have changed, but he hasn't. Yep. Yep, exactly. And it's great. Mm. It is. Agreed. Yeah. And who doesn't love Christian Slater and Christian Slater? Love Christian event. Slater. He I needs to be to say, in more things. This is slightly off topic, uh, but I recently watched all of Dr. Death on Stan. I didn't mm-hmm. watch that. Yeah, and Christian Slater is in that, and he's fantastic, awesome. absolutely fantastic, and it really got me thinking so about him again. So just to stay off that tangent for a second, were you the person that asked online, should I watch the sh- series, the documentary, the podcast, which one should I watch first? Was that you? No, it was no. not. No. Okay, cool. I, I've, I've watched the series. I haven't listened to the podcast yet or watched the documentary. Um, but you but recommend I'm, series watching? Yeah, the series is really good. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. Like, it, it's confronting and it's it's hard to watch. It's it's really well done in that you okay. watch it and you're like, fuck, mate. Like you just really, because it's very, very, um, 
it's a very faithful recreation of what actually happened. They use some poetic license, but it's a fairly faithful recreation of what this guy did. And, and it's Pacey. And it's Pacey. Yeah. And Joshua Jackson is amazing yeah. in this role. I'm just like, whoa, I did not know you had this in you. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really good but confronting. I'll just okay, cool. Yep. All right, yeah. well, that's absolutely on my list. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, sure, you just didn't like Interview with a Vampire. We're just going to have to leave it at that. It's yeah, it's not it's not for me, but that's all. I don't I don't care that anyone else likes it. It's just it's not a movie for me. And you know, we sort of if we want to, oh, we can. Do you want to move into my selection for the next? That was one? and we'll do Emma's last. I want to move into because yeah. now I get to flip it. Where I had such high hopes for this film. Oh, such high hopes for this film. Wow. And I was like, come on, cowboys and vampires. This sounds like it's totally up my alley because I love both. And then I was just like, wait, what? For lots of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so this was my selection. Uh, it's Near Dark, which is my favourite vampire movie. Um, it's a small-town farmer's son reluctantly joins a travelling group of vampires after he's bitten by a beautiful drifter. And, okay. look, I I have an unabashed love for Bill Paxton and Lance yeah, Henriksen. Absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. He's, I think the thing that killed me is they were the only characters to have any character progression. Yeah. And everyone sat within a very specific tone that when you see in Westerns or even in horror films, they don't get as much screen time as these characters got. Mm -hmm. So these actors were literally working one note for ages. And and, and the whole film. And that's what was killing me where I'm looking at these scenes and I'm looking especially the one at the bar and I'm like, this is so cool, except it's not quite landing for me. And And that's my thing with this one where I was just like, Oh, I feel I feel bad for them because it's it's the directing. Like mm. everyone's bringing it. Well, it's Catherine Bigelow too. Like Catherine Bigelow, who went on to win Oscar for The Hurt Locker and was James Cameron's partner for such a long time. And yeah, I look. I think this for me. Like you look at the three movies we've got. We've got the Interview with a Vampire, which is the you know um, camp uh, puffy sleeves cello music chamber music sort of thing. This is more like yeah. the punk rock heavy metal. Yeah. Sort of, you know, exactly. and, and angry vampire per- movie. Very perfect for its time. Like, very perfect. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And, and what I did love about it as well is it's a Western. Like, yeah. Yep. And this Even, is the you know, scenes with him riding horses and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, thematically, they very much go, we're going to take this vampire thing and put it in this setting. And I think, and that was the thing that I was okay with is the fact that when you're looking at a Western and you're looking at this kind of tone, the story fits a certain narrative. And mm. I- I'm pretty sure at times they were pushing against each other but they kept that going. Well, and I love too that, you know, you look at Westerns and Westerns are usually bright and in the sun and mm. deserty plains and everything. Yeah. And so it sort of flips it where these people have to try and survive in a desert town. So yeah. they've got a camper van with mm. foil over the windows and everything covered so they can't it's, get out and they run around mm. with, you know, coverings over them. It's really smart. It's really mm. smart. It's a really clever movie. Yeah. Which apparently yeah. Elroy was telling me because he also loves this movie. Um, apparently Joss Whedon was influenced by... Those those scenes where they have the foil covering the the windscreens of the of the car, and mm-hmm. that's where he got the idea in Buffy, where Spike has his car with the the stuff all over the, yeah, the windows, yeah, yeah. so that he can drive his car even when it's light outside. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's um, smart. It's really smart. And I mean, yeah, it, it brings a whole different level yeah. to it. I, I mean, I have to admit, I I loved the cast, and I did fall in love with the with the the gang of vampires mm-hmm. in this. Um, like. 
you know, Bill Paxton and I've forgotten her name, but Vasquez from Aliens yep. and, and a um, bunch of other films. Jeanette McSomething. The mum vampire's hair was amazing. Jeanette Goldstein. Um, yeah, I loved and I love, again, this notion of a younger vampire and we get a, a not not younger but a younger body and we get a, a glimpse into and a sense of just the struggles of being, you know, an old soul literally in this mm-hmm. really young body. Um, I do see what you're saying, Dean, like especially Caleb, his character was so flat and so one-note. He was the most boring character to watch. Um, and even May, his love interest, I was like, Eh, but, but the point to them all, they were all juxtapositions to this other narrative. Yes. Like, I understand that yes. completely. Like, all of them were juxtapositions to this other narrative. And my thing with that is that's fine, except mm. that you are just as main cast members as, yeah, as they, they just are. Got yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I was time, just yeah. like, and I didn't need, I get I didn't need a lot of level. Yeah. I just needed a little bit more because yep. it, it was it was literally season one Buffy, everyone's a villain kind of thing. Every vampire's just bad. And yeah. and especially when you think of it like there is they are traveling together and there is this family dynamic. And even when the father vampire calls a little kid vampire, old man, keep it together. Mm. And and, mm. and and there's this brilliant dynamic. And it was a movie that was also playing with family. Because yeah. you've also got mm. Bill Paxton's family trying to find him. And, well, exactly. and I love that. I love that pull and push and pull. Yeah, yeah. And and they got more narrative than like that his human family got more narrative mm. than his vampire family. And I guess that's what killed me a little bit where I'm like, mm. they just needed a little bit because they weren't evil. Do you know what I mean? They mm. were they were vampires living mm-hmm. in, in the well, desert. Do it well. Mean, the bar scene says otherwise. I, I was about to say, oh. they're, they're not exactly choosing the most humane methods of, no, of no, being. Not. Like they're they're not I, I guess it's it's that thing where I'm just. They are like, sadistic. But in a western, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are sadistic. But that's my thing. In a western, like that's the narrative. You know what mm. I mean? Like, like it's I don't it's I don't need them to be full circle or anything. Mm. But you've mm-hmm. got to have the heroes. You've got to have the villains. It, it's just mm. the way that it rolls. And I love one thing. Like, I the shoot. Oh, sorry, Dean was blowing yeah. my mind like that was mm-hmm. amazing to watch the cops are shooting you know holes in and it's and the holes have sunlight mm. shining through and, yep. yeah. and then it's burning them it's it's fantastic yeah. the way they do it all it was really good one thing i was thinking watching this um because i had watched i already watched the other this was the last film that i watched i'd seen it before Same. but just sort of rewatched Same. it um i'm now curious like having watched three vampire movies close together about why is it as a viewer right when we watch vampire movies Someone gets bitten and they're, you know, usually typically the good guy and they've been bitten by a vampire. Why is it as the viewer that we desperately want them to go and feed on a human? Like you feel frustrated. Yeah. This is a yeah. common Frustrated. theme, right? Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. common theme of the human who's been bitten resisting, 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 resisting. They don't want to feed. And for and it, I suddenly realised, I was like, we always are frustrated in that. We want them to feed. Why? Do we think mm-hmm. we would be different in that situation? Like, why are we so eager for them to to give up their humanity? <laughs> yeah. But we are. Like, you're watching it and you're like, just yeah. feed. Because and it's a vampire that... film and that's what you're meant to do. Like, the point is you're meant to eat. Like, do it. But I guess, why don't I think... we relate to them and go, oh, God, like, yeah, that would be that would be hard, like feeding on human flesh. Like, why is it we so desperately want them to give in to but it? It's I don't know if it's this, like, like... Jungian psychology, like I'd we're being tempted by the dark side. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like where I, I, I almost wonder if it's like this. It's a form of catharsis. Like this is the closest watching these films. 
we have the opportunity to connect to the very the darker side of our human nature in a safe way because we get to watch the everyday Joe who we're meant to align ourselves with become a monster and get to give in to these dark urges and and feed on other humans and I wonder if it's like this this sort of cathartic experience so we want them to do it so that we can live vicariously through them maybe like it's it's that thing where I don't know I mean it's expected you're a vampire now it's what you've got to do like you've just got yeah yeah maybe it is just that it's just the frustration of like what else are you gonna do yeah. I mean, like, but that's that's the thing I love about these three films is that was a part that each of the characters went yeah. through, but it wasn't the narrative of the films yeah. or the tone of it. Like, of course, they I have mean, that struggle. I Everyone suppose, struggles, but once you accept yeah. your true nature, then yeah. you're laughing. And I hmm. suppose maybe, I mean, maybe part of the reason it's literally also just a plot device. Like, it, yeah. it, it serves to create tension in the narrative because... You know, as as they're going on, like every time he doesn't feed, he gets really sick, and then May has to decide whether she's going to con- keep sacrificing her blood to feed him. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, I hate his relationship with women. This it's terrible. I'm yeah. like, oh my god! Even in the car at the start, I'm watching it. Him being like, not going to let her get out of the car until she kisses yeah. him, and then she bites him. And, and, then- I li- and I literally said at the screen, "Well, that's what you get when you don't let a woman leave your car unless she kisses." But also him. when You're he lassoes her, and it's just like, oh, I know, my God. it's so gross. I'm like, nah, dude, you deserve everything that's coming. Like, yeah. although you know, the thing that killed me though, when it flips towards the end, and there's like the way he de-vampires. Well, I find this blood, fascinating because I've, I've never seen anything like this in a vampire movie before so yeah for me it's part of There's what makes film stand out <laughs> well yeah i don't know that i like it um but it's it's definitely unique i've never seen mm. that before but i kind of i don't know i kind of i feel like there's something um again cathartic about the full circle experience in a vampire movie of watching someone go through because it's a metaphor watching someone go through pain and struggle and resistance and denial and then finally accepting yourself and yeah. and embracing who you really are, both the light and the dark side. But in this case, he sort of, it was like rather than grow into who he was becoming, he kind of took a step back and yeah. that feels unnatural to do and then dragged her back with him. I was well, like, I don't know if he dragged her back. Well, no, no, right. no. Not, well, her family were no, all no. dead by that point too, though. Yeah. No, 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 no. I meant, yeah, I meant sort of metaphorically, not like, no, no he didn't sort of force You know, one of the but- things that drove me insane is in the bar scene where they're slowly, slowly slaughtering everyone. Mm. Like, oh, my God, get on with it. <laughs> um, and there's the guy behind the um, bar who pulls mm. out, opens the drawer, gets the gun, mm. fiddles with the things. And I'm like, you're a terrible barman in, in any kind of country town if you don't have that shotgun lock and loaded already. Yeah, like, come yeah. on. <laughs> Yeah, true, true. Yeah. But I did I did really like even though I'm I'm seeing some of these frustrating um aspects to this film, I can't deny I really enjoy this film. And it may just be the cast, like mm. that, that gang of vampires. I love nearly the casting of nearly every single member. I just it's one of those there are some like it's almost almost an ensemble cast. There are some casts that you just enjoy watching, even if yep. the movie's not perfect. Yeah. You just really love watching them. True. And I love Lance Hendrickson. I'll watch him in almost anything. And yep. Paxton is 
fantastic as your quintessential. I feel like there's always that one vampire in vampire films that is just batshit insane. That yeah. seems like he's just on coke constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Like that is Bill Paxton <laughs> is that vampire in this film. Yeah. And he's so great at it. I guess I loved it as a Western. I didn't mm. love it as a vampire film. Mm, yeah. That, the vampire stuff was what was driving me crazy. Mm, the rest of it I was okay. loving. Yeah. I think, too, though, when you talk about the, like, Adrian Pazdar who plays Caleb and uh, May, um, when you're up against two people like Paxton and Henriksen who are chewing the scenery in a good way, like mm. they are over the yeah. top, they yeah. are, there's no, you can't compete with that. You've got two of the best character actors of all time right mm. there. The, you're always going to get overshadowed. And this movie mm. is remembered more for them rather than the I'm love agreed. story between yeah, Caleb and May. And I would, and again, I think it's, like, I love this movie. This is my favourite vampire movie. Mm. But I would, again, would rather just watch them driving around, feeding on people in country towns right, yeah. and get rid of Adrian Pazdar completely. Yeah. But yeah. I, do I love mean, it was, the, it was the more important, I feel like the love story was the story that was kind of sandwiched in, or yeah. when they started acting it out and when they started reading it out and planning it, they were like, mm. this is this is much more fun. It, mm-hmm. It's there, but it's it's very much, but let's be real, just like in a Western, that's exactly, the love story is not the, this is what I mean, like I look mm. at it, mm. I see it as a Western, mm. because yeah. the love story yeah. is there to facilitate everything else, and that's exactly what happened here. Yeah. And, that, mm. and, and that's, love that's why I just... You know, I'm like, I I looked at that narrative tone and structure and went, mm. yeah, it fits it too. Maybe I love they, the way it's yes. shot too. The way that's, yeah. you know, the day oh, scenes I, are I sort of too. kind of boring, but when it gets to the night and when the vampires are supposed to be out and alive, it's this beautiful, like, light blue, smoky, And that's gorgeous. hard to do with that yeah. kind of scenery and settings and everything. Where you're in the city and stuff, it's so much easier. Like, mm. to be yeah. able to set that visual, I did love the the – analogy or juxtaposition of when he's still not eating and, and she's letting mm. him feed off him and then you've got the oil pumps in the background. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it, it, yeah, it works to it in a really strong way. That's a good point. I hadn't actually thought about that. This film manages to make daylight look dull and yeah. nighttime look yeah. vibrant, which is yeah. really actually really quite clever. Um, it's beautifully Yeah, shot. I would agree with that. I, I also I really like the scene where Caleb if it is first starting to turn and he's stumbling through the desert. There's just a really beautiful long shot of like the sun slowly rising behind him and just the sort of shadow of this figure stumbling across the desert with like the dust and smoke coming off his skin blowing out behind him there's some yeah there's some really nice shots it's um yeah look i enjoyed it but i also understand the it's definitely got flaws but yeah but i i did really enjoy enjoy it and yeah i'm it's funny i'd never thought about the fact it seems obvious now that this is a a western as much as a Hmm. vampire film and maybe Maybe that's where they went wrong is in in blending those two genres. They just didn't quite get that balance. I don't. Right. I don't think they went wrong. I don't think they went. I don't think. I don't think it was wrong to balance mm. them together. I don't think you. No, can no, no. Have I don't think. Balanced. But yeah, oh, you don't. I don't. I don't. And because mm. I think a lot of films try to do that and then do a disservice to both. Let's be mm. real. These are two very different genres. To be able to marry them in True. this way, I think is really great. Um, and and one of one is going to have to feel like a bit more of a disservice to another. There is no mm. two way about it. But I feel mm. like if it had gone more vampire-y, mm. then it would have taken away from the elements that, of a Western. That, and they are the elements that made this rock. Mm. Like really, for me, yeah, it, yeah. it's that st- that tone, that story. That's ha- what allowed the characters to be so 
um, yeah. such caricatures. But if it had been yeah. more vampiristic and horror, then we would have needed them to be completely different and that would have taken away mm. from it in, in a massive way. The, my my favourite part too, or one of my favourite parts in the movie is there's a, just a little throwaway line where I can't remember if it's Lance Henriksen or Bill Paxton says the other one. Remember that fire we started in Chicago? Mm. And it's a link. It's so to say that they started the Great Chicago Fire yeah. in like 1912 yeah. or something. And it's like it's just it's a throwaway line. And he goes, yeah, I remember that. And then that's it. And mm. if you don't really look into it, you sort of go, oh, okay. But it's actually, yeah, base they set yeah, this yeah. massive, that burnt down most of Chicago. And But the thing that kind of works is it makes sense, a travelling family, like if you're going to have the mm. family of vampires travelling around, putting them in the desert in a Western, like you, you, the minute you see it, you don't need a further explanation. Mm. That's what yeah. I love about it. Like it fits mm. the narrative so well. Yep. yep. Also, this is going to seem like a random note, but did anyone, did anyone else feel like Bill Paxton's character was modelled off Ryan Adams in the 90s or, or that perhaps Ryan Adams got his style from Bill Paxton's character? That no, I think the other way around. I think yeah, I Ryan say- Adams absolutely, yeah. It's very Ryan Adams. I was yeah. like the shaggy hair and yeah, the sunnies yeah, yeah. Yep. and like the ripped denim with the patches yep. with bits of cowboy stuff. I was like, this is looking very familiar to me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah, very much. And yeah. I'm going to say, I'm I miss Bill Paxton in movies. He's I great. Agreed. There are not so many good. celebrity deaths that I, you know, that upset me. And when I heard that he died, that was one of those ones where I yeah. went, no, that's a massive loss to the film industry because. Yeah. He was a phenomenal actor, but he was also a writer and a director. And, oh, you know, okay. we, we talk of like frailty is one of the, mm-hmm. is an amazing movie if people haven't seen it. And it, it is just so good. Mm-hmm. And he wrote and directed that and people mm-hmm. need to see it. And so I just, you know, even in small parts, he is always, yeah. he's never oh, bad brilliant. in a movie. He's, yeah. you know, even he showed up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a few episodes and he was awesome yeah. in that. Like he's just, yeah. you know, yeah, he, it's really sad that he's gone. Yeah, it is. Agreed. It is. Well, on that somber note, should we <laughs> should we jump over to the last the last film for this episode? Definitely. This, this was my choice, and I'm going to say that I I don't have a favorite vampire movie. Um, and I really, really, as you two know, for it took me ages to settle on one. I really struggled to pick one because there's just a lot of really good vampire films out there. Yeah. But in the end, I decided. You just simply can't talk about vampire films without talking about The Lost Boys um, because Absolutely. I feel like it's a classic, <laughs> maybe not a classic horror film, but a classic oh, vampire no, it's, film. It's up there. It's, it's absolutely it's, up there, yeah. Yeah, hmm. it's it's pretty up there. So um, I feel very lucky to have been a young person and to watch this vampire film, you know what I mean, as a young person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, all right, well, Shuri, do you want to give us the IMDb for sure. The Lost Boys? So. Uh, after moving to a new town, two brothers discover that the area is a haven for vampires. Yeah. The other ones are really, really long. That's That's it. But let's be real. The reason this this is the best casting. It's it's so good. It's so good. There aren't casts that have a better looking cast. Like really, they they are all very good looking people. (laughs) But everyone everyone hits their notes. Yeah. Everyone hits their notes. Kiefer Sutherland is just one of the best uh, villains I've I've, in anything. Like I just think that that's that's his lane and he should just should just stay there. Um, but I will say, okay, so I have a funny sort of funny backstory to this film and it's a little mm-hmm. bit similar to my child's play story um there was uh, i didn't i didn't fear we over oh. this film however <laughs> this is one of those films there were a few films when i was a kid that came out that i didn't i didn't see this when i was a kid but i heard all about it other kids my age had seen it they were too young but they'd seen it 
and my dad watched it. And I'd heard so much about this movie when I was really young and too young for it. I got a complex about this movie and I felt like it was just going to be the most terrifying mm. thing ever, like terrified of it before I'd even fucking seen it. I <laughs> saw The Lost Boys for the first time a few years ago. Wow. I had literally held on to this fear for so yep. long and I, I was finally like, no, watch it. It can't be that scary. You're wow. older now and you love horror. Watch it. Um, and so watching it again for this podcast was the second time I've ever seen it. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's oh, my, wow. my, yeah. Wow. Um, oh, wow. So that's my history with this <laughs> film. Um, and oh, I actually love it now it's, that I've. It's yeah, such a brilliant film. Now that I've wow. seen yeah, it a couple of times, I'm like, this is a great film. I mean, also the soundtrack, the soundtrack to this yeah, film is just yeah, absolutely brilliant. brilliant. But yeah, Kiefer Sutherland, so I was saying this last night, watching it with Bond, I think what makes him such a fantastic villain is that he's like he is the he's the bad boy. He's bad, but he's sexy. You kind yeah. of you, yeah. you you hate him, but you you love him. You understand like, why a person falls under his spell. Yes. yes. He's yep. dangerous, so and therefore perfect as a, as a vampire. Just yeah, totally, this was totally. made for him. Yep. Um, and I didn't didn't realize in, uh, as well until recent years that this film is meant to be funny as well. Um, oh yeah, I had no again the complex that I had since I was a child. <laughs> no idea this was meant to be funny, and now I watch it and I'm like, fucking. I mean, it's awesome. very much a horror comedy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's and it's so eighties. It is like yep. it 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 feels like. Every stereotypical John Hughes 80s film mushed together but as a horror as well. Mm-hmm. Like everything about it is like the, the cast, the, the narrative, the clothes, the soundtrack, the clothes. My God. And, but this oh, is what, like, what I love about it is, I mean, what makes a good horror? Let's be really real. What makes something mm, a really good horror? It's when the production the team. Fashion. Yeah, yeah, but no, but I mean when the production the team go, but from production team, from sound and music to all of it, to visuals and all of it, everyone mm-hmm. has a very specific vision and then ramps it up. Like mm-hmm. what makes horror great is never just yes. here's the vision. It's not about sitting within this normal setting. Everything has to have a really specific tone that complements each other. And, and just this, like when we're works. looking at films yeah. with the dark and the grey and and, mm-hmm. and this goes the opposite way and it nails it completely, like yeah. in every level. Absolutely. And even like the cinematography, um, I, uh, I I hadn't really thought about it, but Vaughn commented on this because she watched it with it's me and so she's, seen, she's seen this film heaps. So we were watching it together and um, as, it, as it started, she was like, oh, you know, even the opening to this film is fantastic. She was like yeah. the fact that the way it opens is that like, um, that that different subjectivity. You're, you're from the point of view of the vampire, like you don't yeah. and you don't realize it to begin with, and then you realize you're seeing the world through their eyes as they're flying above the you know Santa Monica Pier yeah. with the with the fairgrounds and everything. Or oh, Santa Clara, sorry, um, over the Santa Clara Pier with with the fairgrounds. And I was like, that's true. Actually, it's really. Mm-hmm. Beautiful kind of, and that te- um, and that every opening. time that technique is used throughout the film, it's just golden. Whether it's all of them running into yep. the house because they're scared, or whether the it's the security guard running away, like it's just great. Yep. Or the or the, but I mean, one of the things that drives me crazy about this film is it built up the two things that built unrealistic expectations for me are uh, mm. any boardwalk carnival of any kind, like <laughs> they're never that much fun, <laughs> and also take away Asian food. 
Two of the things that drive me nuts <laughs> is the fact that at You're the scene maggots, where it's like, Michael. they're maggots. And I'm like, it's plain rice. It's never, at least oh have rice. Yes, when it fell over, I was something. like, and I'm it's like, just who rice. has steamed rice in a box? Like, that is ridiculous. With what that kind of you mix of it with something else. No, 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 but the mix should, not in those no, kind of boxes. The mix should no, be and yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, they're just noodles. And the noodles look like worms. Like, I feel like any Asian takeaway, if some fucking white kid came and just Asked for steam rice in a box, they'd be like, "Get out! I'm not, <laughs> I'm not giving you just plain rice." That's that's. Yeah. give them maggots. No, I agree. And, and I was that's like, what killed me. Where the pools are just like no peas, not a little bit of egg mixed in. Like, come on. There's nothing. Where's the like Mongolian beef that you oh. mixed in with that rice? No, I completely agree. Um, my it my lost voice every time. Yeah, no. The the little lost boy story I was going to mention in in a text chat um a while back was uh. So us, you, you sure you might know the story mm-hmm. already. Yes. Um the Jordan Peele film Us. Have you seen that, yep. Dean? I haven't seen it yet, but that's all right. Okay. Keep on rolling. No, this is right at the start anyway. Yeah, this won't be a spoiler. Um, it starts at on the Santa Clara Pier. Um, and they're at a fairground, and it's the beginning of the film is set in the same year that The Lost Boys was filmed. And wow. there's a point yeah. where one of the characters says to another one something about, like, oh, yeah, I think they're filming something over there. And it's meant to be a reference to people filming The Lost oh, Boys. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's not set in The Lost Boys world. It's set in the real world where someone is filming, they're filming yep. The Lost Boys in the background, yeah. which is a really, really cool little um, nod. The to- thing that I kind of love about The Lost Boys as well is unlike other films, the other two films where we're talking about eternal life and this is where they've been in the past, mm-hmm. they're vampires of their time. Like, mm-hmm. he's not trying oh, to yeah. be- they've adapted And that's more. what I love about it. Like, well, yes. it doesn't, It's they could have been bitten a year ago and that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Like, it's not a stress, it's not a problem. Yeah. Um, but I even so that's, a, that's a good point, adapted. actually. They're very much, that's a good point. They're very much of their time. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it even shows that the, I mean, the head vampire has adapted because of, you know, spoilers mm. for the movie. He's working in a video shop. Yeah. You know, which is at the time, whereas you don't know how old he actually could be. I and mean, he may and have adapted. How great to do is that. it that the twist is that the head vampire is the granddad from Gilmore? It's Gilmore Richard Girl. Gilmore. Yes. yes I know. Thank you. <laughs> Richard Gilmore. And his, like, sorry, I know, I know this isn't an important part of the narrative, but the, the He's so okay, good. the clothes, the clothes. Like, I love how it really captured the fact that in the 80s, you had such a like mingling of different subcultures that all coexisted. Yeah. So you had these Miami Vice looking kids with the baggy pastel shirts and the white pants and the gelled hair. And then next to them, a goth with like a mohawk yeah. and like mm-hmm. lace, and that kind of standard. the new romantics goth, like the lace yep. gloves. And like, I was just like, this is, it's this so is good. what the eighties was like. Yeah. And it's, yeah. we're, we're talking about like music, you know, saying that, you know, Interview the Vampire is the chamber music and the mm. Near Dark is the punk rock heavy metal. Mm. This this is the hair metal movie. You look Absolutely. at the vampires. They're the hair metal guys. They're, well, you know, they're poison bit, and It's a little bit new, ro- new romantics as well when I yeah, think about totally. the soundtrack itself. But yeah. the look, do you know what? There's so much about this movie that I I love and laugh at in a loving way. There's, a, there's one of the vampires. It's the one with the long blonde hair there's a point when they go to their lair and he's kind of like dancing around on a on the on the table in their lair and I swear to god it is like he's a cross between Jarrus from Labyrinth and the lead singer of fucking White Snake. I'm like, yeah. look at this guy with his like <laughs> skin tight pants and his long boots and his long hair, like prancing around. I'm it's like, fantastic. this is fucking love hilarious it. and I love it. Like it's so it's, good. Yeah. And I love as well that it's told from the eyes of this family. 
that yeah. they all just work so well in the most crazy family dynamic. And yes. Shori put up a tweet about it, but he's absolutely right. Um, Shori, you're like a day or two off from being the granddad. Oh, sure. Being the granddad. A day or yeah, two. that's me. A day, yeah. a day or two. Like, <laughs> okay. not a year, he was like a year or two, and I'm like a year. Like, hello. I feel you're like there. it's fine. Don't touch I mean, my double stuff Oreo cookies in my room. I feel like you Leave probably need to be smoking a lot more weed to be True. like. I, know. I reckon Shory's nearly there. It's like Shory and Widow, the old Widow Johnson. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, because that was one thing that Ooh. again, Von and I were, were laughing like, about. Don't touch my stuff, and don't touch this, and but like, well, the, the kooky dad jokes. I've got a TV guide. Don't need a TV. Yeah. That actually, yeah. I can see how you are kind of kind of like him. But it was hilarious. There's a scene where, like, the kids, they look at, they one of them, you know, points out the back window to, like, the, the marijuana plant and he's, like, winking at his brother and, like, gesturing, like, smoking. And Von and I just, like, if you needed to eyeball the marijuana plant to realise your granddad is on the chuff, then you are, you are just not... Yeah. You're not reading the room. <laughs> but like, I love yeah. playing, Look at this guy. <laughs> I love it. Like, but it's that from that first scene, like playing Jed at the start. I can see yep. Shory doing that. And yeah. then stealing Jed, stealing Jed, and then going, ah, and scaring them. And it's like, oh, dad. And yeah. it's just yep. like, I love it. And that first but scene, even, I'm like, I'm like, this even is just Shory. the <laughs> end of it, when he just goes, Shory. you know, everything's happened and, you know, they've killed the head vampire and everything's over. Oh, my God. And he's yes, walking the and ending. He goes, this is what I hated about this town. There's always these fucking vampires around. Yes. What I love it. Say say from the start? The yeah. And that's just the, the end of the film. Ending. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I actually um, didn't the, notice that the first time I watched it. And this time I was like, that's yeah. fucking brilliant. It's, it's so just, good. And it so this, works for his character that he would just have known this all along and been like, yeah, what do you mean? What yeah, do you, of course. Yeah, but I love I love the lore that exists within within it. Like the the way they romanticize it, the way and this is mm. the use of music and visuals. It's just friggin' yeah. beautiful. This, this film is done so well. Mm. There's a scene once, because I've seen it a few times, and once you know who the head vampire is, mm. there's the the night when he comes around to take the mum out yes. for a date or come over for the date. I know what and you're going to say. He says to Michael, he goes, Yeah. Oh, well, you're the man of the house. I shouldn't come in until you invite me in. Yeah. And Michael goes, You're invited in. He goes, Thank you. And you're like, That's it. There it is. Yeah. You know, you've just. You know, I noticed that the second Buffy, time watching it. I was it. like, Ah. We know the Lord, but you yeah. don't, and that's the beauty of it. You don't notice it the first time. Like, it's no. Just, it, it's great. It's disarming and it's wonderful. Yeah, it's really yeah. good, but but it's nice when you. But watch even even like the this, way it's yeah. shot, that beautiful scene when um the the dog is attacking her when she's bringing the wine and and mm. it's walking down and it's just but the way it's shot is just fantastic. Like they mm. the way they use wide angle lenses in this is so good. Mm-hmm. And, and think about it at that time, it's not like they had drones or anything. Like mm. these yeah. shots were set up and mm. filmed yep. this way. Like it's brilliant. They're yep. all crane shots, yeah. And yeah. again, the uh, you know, as we've 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 touched on this already, but the frustration at the main character refusing to embrace his, his vampire identity. Although can I, can I ask you guys? Well, we have three of them that refuse to embrace their vampire identity. Mm. Yes. Yes. But, but, but can I just say, did anyone notice the brother who gets turned at the start? He doesn't, I didn't, did he get bit? Michael. Um, no, so and this is the other infuriating because I didn't thing. actually it's see just him. That, I'm like, just hang that on. he drank, he drank David's blood. That's it, right? That's in the bottle, that's... yeah, in the bottle. So if you you drink the blood of a vampire, it's not uh, a, like because okay. the reality of when we look at vampire law, it's that they drain part of your blood, 
mm. and then replace it with their own. Yeah. Uh, this is saying he drank it, so therefore the he replacement. Just, and that, that okay. always drives me a little bit crazy. Yeah, because I was watching because, it like, hang on, did I, have I miss something? Like, when did he yeah, get no, bitten? It's yeah. just in this law, it's a, it's a different, okay. different thing. Yeah, okay. Mm. All right. Every time. I'll, every I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, it's um but it is frustrating again to to what to watch him, you know, resist. Although I love the scene. But it's so cute, like when he's in, yeah. in the bathroom and the bath scene and everything, like the way and we, and it's like, does your brother sleep in all day, wear sunglasses? Does he have bad breath? And he's like, Yeah, but that could be anything. I love the interaction between the brothers. Like the frog I love brothers. when Oh no, the um I feel no, bad no, no, Edgar. Um, Edgar, Edgar's just never, like, Edgar's there, but he's just not, poor Edgar is the actor that isn't named Corey. And <laughs> and it's just, I always forget that he's in the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, um, I think, yeah, the, the interactions between the, the two main brothers uh, are some of my favourite scenes. Like when when the, the older brother, Michael, is sleeping in and um his, his mum calls and he opens the blinds and he's like, oh, he's like, can you give me my sunnies? And he's like, you need your sunnies to talk on the phone. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it's such a br- brother comment. He's the dynamic is brilliant. To me. And like, when he's like fly hovering at his window after he discovers that Michael is a vampire and he's like, I'm not, I'm not a monster. And he's like, oh, what are you, the flying nun? Because <laughs> he's just like hovering <laughs> yeah. outside his window. It's like, you're clearly a vampire, dude. Like, yeah. But what's cool is this family relationship that they establish, it just carries all the way through. It's yeah. really great. Yeah. You know, yeah. even, and, and, I mean, the thing with the Frog Brothers that's hilarious, like when they do go in, I mean, I'm sorry, vampires are sleeping at night. They go into their den and scream, scream during the day. Like, it's just like, you guys are terrible at this. Yeah. They're making so much <laughs> yeah. noise that I wouldn't be surprised if they, if it's someone like bit you. the Goonies with vampires. <laughs> yes. But what was and, the, the line, and then, Emma, I and, think you said then, that the line, Emma, was the, um, you're, you're a shit-sucking vampire, Michael. Wait till I tell mum. Yeah. No, that oh, was no, Dean, that tweet, was Dean. Like, it's like, mum's going to be so mad. This is a film <laughs> yeah. filled with body dysmorphia and all this different stuff, and then mm. it's just like, you're a vampire. You wait till mum finds out, and it's like, yeah. that line is amazing. <laughs> And it's, As I said, and this is the, my mum would have been cut if she found yeah. that if I was a vampire. And, and, I get it. It is a horror comedy, but yeah. it's not a comedy. Like, this is what no, I love about yeah. it. The mm. way in which it's set up. And, you know, when I think of horror comedies, I think of Shaun of the Dead. I think of mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which a part of me is like, God, we I can't believe we didn't do the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Mm. But it's, hey, no, how dare you? No, no, no. And I like it. I just think we picked better movies. But it's that thing where I'm just like, you know, it, that that mix of comedy, it works yeah. so well here. <laughs> it really you does. laugh at a line, but the te- the 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 terror doesn't drop with yeah. the comedy. Like yeah. the 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 tension sits mm-hmm. there. You're laughing, but the tension ha- needle has not moved, and it just yeah. keeps ramping up. And what I love about this film is it ramps up, and it it stays where it sits. And then mm. it keeps going, and it's like, and and when we hit that point, that for me, every time I watch it, I'm like on the edge of my seat with a giant smile mm. on my face, mm-hmm. staring yeah. at the screen. Is when they've killed the vampire after being in it. They know that they're all coming to the house. They've set up the house appropriately, and then they go to get the nook, and mm. and they get the dog, and they're running back, and everyone's standing at the doorway, screaming, "Hurry up, come back!" And they can see the vampires coming, mm. and you can't finish. And that's the scene for me. Like the tension of the whole film just ramps up to that moment and I just every time I watch it I'm like oh my god filming this scene would have been so much fun for mm. all yep. of them because it's just so cool and the tension is so great and that's what I love the comedy is great mm. the visuals and tone is great the music is great and the tension just never stops 
Which is yeah. why when we get that ending where it's that dad joke comment mm-hmm. and we get that ending, it's like, how else could this film end? And it's yeah. the, fridge, the fridge door closing on all of their faces looking tired and it's the perfect ending to this film. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say I, I love that I convinced myself to actually visit this movie after I'd been scarred <laughs> by the very notion of it as a child because as an adult I'm like, Hell yes, I really appreciate what this is now. Like I yeah. mm-hmm. love that it's everything that you just said, Dean. Like it, it is scary and that tension does stay at a really high level, but it's also funny. There are, And yeah. the, the funny bits are perfectly timed. They're perfect yeah. little moments of, of relief, like from, from the tension. And it's just, and I was just sort of thinking as you were saying this, like there's something about 80s films where they were able to capture the dynamic of siblings really well. Yeah. Siblings yeah. and maybe mm-hmm. families more broadly, but it's particularly siblings, that kind of antagonistic, but still, I still love you, bro or sis or whatever. I mean, like, it was very much kind a, of, a, na- a narrative of the time. Like when yeah. you think about it, we don't have that narrative anymore. And it was a very, yeah. that that relationship within a film, that's mm-hmm. all the films. Like it, yep. it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's yep. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but this is also, and it's one, of, it's one of those things I bring up all the time too, this is for a lot of kids in the 80s as well, was a gateway horror movie too because yeah. it's, not, it's not overly bloody, it's not overly scary, it's tense, but it's not, you know, jump scares every five minutes. It's not, there's, not a, there's no nudity, there's a little bit of sexy stuff, but it's nothing really. It's a mm-hmm. blue light and they yeah. roll around on a bed. But yeah. it's, it's a gateway horror. It's one of those ones where you go, this is a great movie to show somebody who's 13 years old. Yeah, I well. love how I love how when you describe every now and again we'll watch something and you, you're talking about how it's a great gateway gateway horror for kids and I'm just sitting here thinking I would have literally wet the bed if I tried <laughs> to watch this as a gateway horror. I love like that your tolerance level oh. is so and but also I guess that's that's the point. All kids are different. I yeah. this was Come on, Emma, not I watched Jaws a gateway six. horror for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this would have scared the poop out of me if I watched it too young. This film was the third DVD I ever bought. Nice. Wow. And I love it. And I've still got it. And I'm just yep. like, oh, mm. I love it so much. It was, it's just amazing. And at the time, I was just like, hello, Keith Sutherland. Oh, God. <laughs> Where we all? Well, uh-huh. me as an adult five years ago, because that's maybe the only not time Shuri. I watched it. Yeah, maybe not sure, but you know. Oh, no, but what's, um, uh, what's and the, um, the woman that Michael goes after? Oh, you know she what I love as well. Else as, as, well. as an actress, she's been in so many things. And, but as an actress as well, I, one, one of the things that kills Jamie me, Gertz. Yeah, and as she's gotten older, um, mm. she gets put into roles where she's the uptight woman. Yeah, mm. and, and, and and she's great at it, especially in sitcom comedy. She's really mm. good. Um, mm. But oh my god, she she just hits the nail. She's such a good actress, and she's mm-hmm. beautiful and hits the nail on the head. Like brilliant casting in this film, absolutely mm. yeah. brilliant casting across yeah. the board. It's so good. Can we talk about like the casting of the standout character, which is obviously the oiled down saxophone man? Like, <laughs> wow! Literally. How did it take us this long? Wow! Like when I can you okay? Can you just imagine? Imagine if you will. I'm watching this film for the first time only a couple of years ago, and. I've got a complex about it 
from, from when I was a kid, I'm watching it and it's not long into the, because <laughs> it's near the start of the film that it gets mm-hmm. to that. And I was just like, what the fuck am I? What? No one told me about this. No one told <laughs> oh. me about this. Like, and there's a crowd of that size watching a guy sing and play the saxophone with no breathing in, in a giant, like a broided muscle man with a slick back ponytail. Oh my in, God. In tight pants. And it's just I'm like, and this, we, the funny thing is, not, is no. You're watching these like throngs of of women in the crowd, like oh, like were they women? Him. Men had the same hairstyle. Well, well, well who knows? They <laughs> said they looked like women, and they were they were kind of adoring him. And one of us said something about like you know like great like crazy during like that time, like that they were really into that. And I was like, I'm gonna be completely honest. I don't think that guy's batting for the right team for the for those women to be into him. I, I reckon he's batting for both teams. He, I, just he goes for whatever comes to his. That is, that looks turns very, up in his trailer. Yeah, I don't know the oils down body and the chain mail it's choker so and the. I'm like, mm, I don't know what's going song, on there. That song is a banger. That song is really yeah. good. I put it on Honest, playlists all the time. It is honestly, a great song. I don't even remember the song because I'm just so distracted by that fantastic spectacle <laughs> of the. Uh, I'll, I'll of send the you the YouTube link player. to the actual song. Look, I'm actually tempted to go and just listen to the soundtrack from the yeah. Lost Boys at some point because it's. Oh, I've got that also. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we yeah, have to that- mention it's got Jimmy Barnes and NXS on it. Yes. yes. I yeah. noticed that um in there's there's two Jimmy Barnes songs actually. There's one when they when he goes into the comic book shop and then there's um have a good, also, good time tonight. Terrible. Mm. As a comic book reader, I'm offended by the entire comic book narrative in this in this film. Like like I just it angers me on every level. Like like you can't put <laughs> Superman here because yeah, and it just makes me angry. And I'm like, this is how my father thought I was when I walked into a comic book store. I wasn't, <laughs> but it's like, oh, it drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah, like something the kids can be dedicated about. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, yeah, just it was it was a great film. I just it's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's re- amazing. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, sexy sax man is just like the icing on, <laughs> icing on the cake. It's just that little thing that you. I mean, did they mean that to be funny? I don't know. I I think with this whole film, who I think they were absolutely putting a satiric like a, a, oh. a satiric, satirical lens to mm. it. I don't know. If tongue firmly in cheek the whole we, time. Yeah, the tongue mm. is firmly in cheek, but. I don't think they meant it as the joke that we see it as. Yeah. Or maybe not. Like, I mean, it was just everything's at an 11 in this film. So well, you and tell. also it like, was and, the and 80s. It's that, ju- it's that juxtaposition of the boardwalk is this massive hub of activity mm. and and then the, every other space is so quiet but the extremes mm. of it. Who knows? Who knows? I will yeah. say, Dean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that this film does actually set unrealistic expectations for, for peer-based festivals in the U.S., I think in the US, no, for a boardwalk can, carnival. Sorry, I've for never, a boardwalk I've carnival. A boardwalk, really? I've never. But in the in the well, US, again, I've been I think every, I've been in Europe. I've been in Australia. Yeah, I've never seen that kind of. There were there were twelve people playing the the bloody water gun thing into it. Mm. And it was just like, oh come on. Yeah, yeah. Can I, can I just say, everything was so full. I was just mm. like, calm down. This is true. It's really it's quickly, definitely pre-COVID. Up, yeah, boiled up saxophone man. <laughs> Is listed in the credits as Beach Concert Star. Beach Concert Star. Who is this guy? Does His he have a name? Tim Capello. Tim Capello. What What does Tim do nowadays? Yeah, uh, let's talk is about he still he's getting, on cameo. Is he still getting <laughs> really? older? 
Where's my Tim phone? Cameo, we should absolutely get a shout out that's, from Tim. What's Cameo? That's what we're going to do. do cameo, cameo is this thing where you you pay a person twenty bucks or something to to a video, celebrities. and it's like you can oh, get dragged. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. they're not all celebrities. Like if he can <laughs> yeah. if he can if he can oil up and play saxophone for us, we'll buy a Cameo from him. So Tim Capello. I mean, I'm okay yeah. with Abby Oil. <gasps> he okay. Tim Capello is primarily known for his saxophone work supporting Tina Turner in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, excuse me. So he he has done some really awesome stuff. Love it. Oh my gosh. Oh, and it looks like he's well into. I don't think he wore that outfit just for the film. Just saying. Maybe like, that was I'm, his whole thing. I'm getting as I'm. That's the impression I'm getting. <laughs> wow, I love it. From good the on him. Google Embrace image. It. Everyone, jump onto wow. Google and and go down to Tim. What is it? Tim Capello. Tim Capello. Tim Capello. We'll put a link in the description and the, in the twi- um, the, in the description of everything as well. I mean, oh, if Lord. you could see M space right now, <laughs> she's looking at different pictures. It's amazing. I'm about to send you guys a picture, which is clearly a more recent image, and he's oh, okay. he's re- he's still embracing oh, no. okay. the uh, the look. Everyone, the- dive into your internet hole and just have a look and find it because this is going to be fun. <laughs> wow, this okay. is. I That's... am very happy with our bloodsucker choices for these. Yeah, films. me yeah. too. Like we, we did definitely tap that vein. Yeah, uh, <laughs> guys, I can't keep up. I don't. I don't think in puns. You suck. Damn it! I mean, oh! You just got to really it. sink your teeth in and take a bite out of it. Em. Fuck off! I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. But you know what? Um, Fangs for being such a good sport with this one. I hate you both. Oh, I my God, sorry, I've just seen the picture that Emma said. Uh, yes, he absolutely still embraces. Wow, he still rocks it. He still embraces absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, and I will love just him. say, even though, like, I, I think we picked three amazing films and each with a slightly different tone, yeah. I know that people listening to this are going to be like, but what about blah? What about blah? And I just yeah. want to say, we know. We know. <laughs> it was so hard. <laughs> And we, we, are, we are now. Yeah. We are fully aware point, are that there struggling. are some fantastic vampire movies that we just couldn't get across because yeah. there's just too much. There's but too let much. Let us know your favourites on the social exactly. as well. Exactly. Let us know yeah. because, because we're we're open to doing some follow up episodes Absolutely. sometime in the future, perhaps where we look at things that we missed. Mm-hmm. One thing I will mention. So one of the films that I was thinking of looking at was um, what we do in the shadows, which is a definitely yep. very much a comedy. <laughs> um, but I. I don't know if you guys have seen it or anyone who's listening is familiar with it, but there's a scene in What We Do in the Shadows, which is a direct riff off the scene in The Lost Boys where they give him the Chinese takeout and it turns into maggots or it turns into worms, um, except in what, we, <laughs> in what We Do in the Shadows, they give them they give them. They serve them dinner and they go, would you like some buschetti? And it's like (laughs) spaghetti and he goes to eat it. It's actually worms. And when we were watching this scene in The Lost Boys, we just couldn't handle it. Like as soon as it came on, Bob was like, Michael, would you like some buschetti? I was like, no, it's ruined for me. It's ruined. Love it. So if you haven't seen What We Do in the Shadows, because we couldn't cover it, New Zealand vampire comedy. Oh, it's definitely Taika Waititi to watch. Taika Waititi, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film. Um, Well, that's it for our vampire horror podcast where we are diving We're deep diving into the monster films now, and we have another new category for you tomorrow. So wait and see. See you then. You're going to have to wait and see. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Probably not see. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.
Hey everybody, it's Dean. I hope you love talking vampires as much as we did. We're not joking when we say we want to hear your picks for what vampire films we should have covered. We love hearing from you on the socials at Pod of the Damned on Twitter and Podcast of the Damned on Instagram. Honestly, we're just happy that people are enjoying this as much as we are. So much so that we're doing something special for our final episode on October 31st. We're letting you pick the film that we watch. Shuri M and I have each picked three films that we would love to watch and we are letting you, our listeners, pick which one we're going to talk about. The polls have already been open for one day and we've got some great picks from all around the world. You know what? I just love knowing that New Mutant's not our only American listener. It just surprised me and got me really excited. But there are two films that are starting to cut ahead when it comes to which ones are going to be in the lead. But at the end of the day, whichever you pick to be on top is going to be the one that we're going to talk about. So jump over to our website, potofthedam.com, hit the EP31 poll in the menu, and it'll scroll right down to the bottom of our listening page where you can pick the film. We've got Cabin in the Woods, House on Haunted Hill, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Young Frankenstein, The Faculty, Ready or Not, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, Messiah of Evil, and Scare Me. Honestly, any of these would be fantastic, so we can't wait to find out what you're going to pick. At midnight on the 28th of October is when the polls close, so you've got to get your votes in then. Why not cast your vote right now? And we'll see you tomorrow for a fantastic new monster theme. I wonder what it could be. Ow! Honestly, I'm. It's six fifty-five in the morning, and I just thought I'd try to do that sound effect. And who knows how it sa- worked out? My brain really is just there. I'm going to be uploading this podcast in two seconds. I hope you enjoy it.